In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, Mariam. Blessed are for thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle with them is the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, and instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit may be truly wise. Never rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, Father Terry, St. Ignatius, St. Lorenzo Weiss, St. Wenceslaus, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good evening. We've arrived at the uh, last day of our retreat on the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is chapter 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of St. Matthew. Just a brief summary, Matthew chapter 5, each of the chapters are very dense in spiritual, biblical, theological content, each one, such that I spent uh, almost an hour just speaking on one verse on Tuesday, which was, blessed are the poor. I was able to spend about an hour just on basically half a verse, no? So the word of God is so very rich. Yesterday we were able to divide Matthew chapter 6 into some basic ideas. Uh, One was we talked about that passage is used in the beginning of Lent. We mentioned that, that the three basic practices in Lent to arrive at a conversion of heart are presented in Matthew chapter 6. And those practices would be the practice of prayer as well as the practice of almsgiving and the practice of penance or fasting. So we spent a good block of time speaking about that yesterday. Prayer, almsgiving, and penance or fasting. Then we talked about another key point, and it was that of trust, where Jesus says, don't worry. And more than once, and he gives us a couple examples from nature, look at the, look at the birds of the air. He said, don't see any bird in the air flying to a psychologist. I don't think so. We're going to the pharmacist to get a new solution to his phobias or his problems. Look at the lilies of the field. God provides for the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. How much more will he provide for us? And Jesus says, seek First, 
the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everything else will be given to us besides. Wouldn't that be a good motto to direct your life? That'd be a good. I, I, I like. I wouldn't mind having that on my on my door and seeing that every day and trying to assimilate that all the more. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be given to us besides. Then we talked about the last verse in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. And we developed a a 10-minute reflection on the universal call to holiness. That holiness is not just for a few. And I quoted Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said that holiness is not the privilege of the few, but it's the duty of all. And we commented upon that verse. Jesus says, be holy, using the using the imperative. So Jesus is going to use the imperative, which is a command. He's not going to command us to do something that is beyond our capacity. It is beyond our capacity, but if we have confidence in him, then we can become saints. So there we have a a summary of Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to try to go through uh, Matthew chapter 7 and give you some key points. Then I'll ask, uh, end with some provocative rhetorical questions to get you to go deeper and see if we can arrive at a deeper conversion in our lives. Okay, so the first point that Jesus is going to make is he's going to say uh, not to judge others. Okay. So, we have several verses where he says, "Don't, uh, don't, don't judge others." And my comment would be this: Let's uh, let's first try to correct ourselves before we try to correct others. I think that's a good plan. First, try to correct our own limitations before we. Try to correct others. I like this dynamic. If you uh, if you can make a pistol with your hand, can you do that? Okay, you're pointing one finger at me, but you're pointing three three fingers at yourself, right? You ever notice that? So you're pointing one finger at me, but three are going right back to you. So you know you might even think about that dynamic. No? Before trying to correct everyone else, try to correct yourself three times before you try to correct someone else. The next point is, Jesus is going to say something that's somewhat difficult to interpret. He's going to say, not to throw your pearls to the to the swine. Some of the passages are, are not easy to interpret. 
I don't know if you've ever meditated and kind of battled with that passage. If you you really take meditation seriously, sometimes you have to kind of battle through understanding some of these passages. Can I give you my interpretation? All right. Uh, probably at least half of you, if not more, are still working, right? As they say in Spanish, Palomenes están fingiendo, right? Okay, you're working. In your work environment, do the people know that you're Catholics? Do they? All right. Uh, have they ever made fun of you because of maybe your religion? Sometimes. I would be surprised if you're in if you're in, in, in a workplace for a long time and you wear your scapular, maybe you bless your food, maybe you've got a picture of a lady Guadalupe. I'd be surprised if you're there for more than a year, someone doesn't make a snide remark. I'd be surprised. Okay, so if you have a person that's ironic and sarcastic and going to make fun of religion, better not even to talk to that person about religion. That's my interpretation. You're throwing the pearls before the swine. So that's my interpretation of it. Because if you do talk about religion, you're going to make them commit a sin. By talking about religion. Because they're going to make fun of it. They're going to make sarcastic jokes. They're going to call you the holy roller. Okay. They're going to call you the obispa or obispo. They're going to make fun of you. So... Better not to talk to them about religion because they're just going to make make fun of it by making sarcastic jokes. And they're sinning. So with these type of people, the best thing to do is to prove that you love God and you love them by your work ethic. That's the best. That's the best way by your work ethic, and that means if okay, if you're 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 coming in late, your your half hour break is forty minutes. You leave ten minutes early. You're improperly dressed. Now and then you use vulgar language. Those are five five bad examples you're given to them. They're going to say, I don't want to become a Catholic because of her, because of him. Let your work ethic speak for itself. If you've ever heard of Opus Dei, any of you, okay? Have any of you heard of Opus Dei? Okay, if you've ever read any of the, the writings of St. Jose Escobar Balaguer, or if you're involved in the Opus Dei, very strong, very strong on the work ethic. And if you're a professional, you've got to be the best professional. If you're an engineer, you're a doctor, a teacher, 
you're the best. You're not sloppy. But rather, you're the best in your profession. Let that speak of itself. And you don't even have to use a lot of words. Okay, so that's my interpretation of not to throw the pearl to the swine. What do you think? That's my interpretation. Because if you talk about it, they're just going to be laughing at your face. They're going to be mocking you. They're going to be mocking religion. Therefore, you're augmenting their sins. Now, if you're in the workplace and you've got someone, maybe, maybe a born-again Christian, that is willing to talk to you about the Bible, about religion, about spiritual things, by all men, talk until, talk until the sun goes down. But a sarcastic, sardonic, ironic, ironic person, you're, I mean, you're, you're wasting your time. What if you say, I pray for you? Okay. Um, That's my answer. Okay, it, it, it depends. The person can say, keep your prayers to yourself. Some people are like that. No, really. Okay, they'll say, keep your prayers to yourself. And the person might even say, you can pray all you want. I'm an, I'm an atheist. I mean, there are atheists out there. So I think it depends upon the circumstance. Okay, whether or not you say it or not, I would pray for them anyway. Okay. Yes. In HR, it's illegal what? To make fun of your religion Okay, good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, sure. But probably in, in most companies, they probably even say, a secular company, not to bring religion in anyway, right? So just to be aware of that. But I would say in the workplace or even among friends, say for example, you're among family members that are just, they're... Um, they're pagans, they're materialistic. Uh, why talk about God if it's just going to turn into sarcasm and irony and acrimonious remarks? You know? I mean, uh, these biblical passages, I've probably meditated on them more than you people. You know? but that's, uh, that's how... No, obviously, in my case, it's not the same thing because I'm in a church and... The, I don't talk about religion. What the heck am I, am I a priest for, right? <laughs> so it's different for me. And that's one of the reasons why I become a priest is because I want to talk about God. And of course, even talking about God, I mean, I'll get some flack anyway, no? But you expect me to talk about God, don't you? Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm going to try to get as far as I possibly can, giving you, um, going through... I'm going through Matthew chapter 7 now. Just from memory, I'm pulling out the key points. Now, uh, there's, some, there's some parts of the Sermon on the Mount that you already have memorized. I hope you have them memorized, the Our Father. I hope you do. Do you have that memorized? <laughs> so that's part of Matthew chapter 6. Just to be aware of there are two versions of, Matthew, of, of, the, of the Our Father. There's the Lucan version, then there's the, the, then the, then there's the Matthew version. They're a little bit different. So, um, just teaching a little bit of biblical theology, don't do it now, but 
when you're reading the biblical passage, below you're going to see what is called a parallel passage. Your parallel passage will be where you can find that in another one of the Gospels. And that's using the synoptics. The synoptic will be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, Luke is preceded by the apostles say, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And then Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. And you see a slightly different version in the um, Lucan version from the Matthew version. I would say, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the one of the most prominent themes is that of prayer. Okay, one of the prominent themes is that of prayer. So, Matthew six, Jesus says, He says, when you're praying, go to your room and pray, and don't blow the trumpet. And you have the Our Father. Okay, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew, okay, Matthew chapter seven. I think you already have this memorized. Okay, it's Matthew seven seven. I don't stammer or stutter. Okay, it's Matthew chapter seven and verse seven. Okay, and that is, ask, and you will receive. Seek. And you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Whoever asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. You probably have that memorized. If not, memorize it. Try to memorize a little bit of scripture. See, I'm speaking from memory, right? And I'm older than most of you too. Okay? So try to try to utilize your memory to memorize some of these key passages. And use acronyms, okay? As a teacher, I love acronyms. A, okay, ASK. What is that? Ask, right? Ask, seek, knock. There you have it. Okay? Ask, seek, knock. Now, because of the acronym, it's going to be even easier for you to remember that, right? Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open to him. That's Matthew. Easy, Matthew 7, 7. Okay, remember that. The next time you meet a Protestant, you say that they're going to be impressed that you're able to... <laughs> No, they're going to be blown off their blown out of the water. No, the Catholics that memorize biblical passages. No. <laughs> most Protestants, most Protestants think that Catholics are biblically illiterate. No, most. Okay, let me let me tell you a very interesting story. This is many years ago. Uh, my, my father, being from Michigan, he went to Michigan State, you know, back in the 40s, no. And um, my father, my, my my father went to 12 years of Catholic 
uh, education of the Jesuits back in Detroit, and it was, the, it was the best teaching in the country back in the 40s and 50s. There wasn't any of this liberalism we have today. So, my, my dad was, uh, he was a, um, a business major, but he took courses in, for example, history. And one of the best history teachers, off the cuff, said, said, as you know, Catholics don't read the Bible. Now, my father, my father uh, never had a shy bone in his body. Okay? Uh, uh, my father had just a lot of self-confidence. No? So just even that one shot, and if, if something was off the mark, even if it were the president, he'd probably raise his hand. So he raised his hand, and he, uh, he, he, he told the professor, uh, excuse me, professor, you're wrong. <laughs> he said, I'm a Catholic, and when... I went to school. They taught us how to read the Bible. And the professor, which was one of the most uh, renowned teachers at, at Michigan State before most of you were born, back in the 40s, you no? Know, he said, thank you, Mr. Broom, to my father. Mr. Broom, Mr. Broom was only about 20 years old, you no? Know? And uh, the following class, the following class, this professor said, I'd like to apologize to Mr. Broom and the Catholics for having said that. And I did some research and I recognized, okay, that some of the Catholics actually do, actually do read the Bible. This was a guy that probably had a double PhD, highly educated, but he just felt Catholics, they never read the Bible. I mean, they read the lives of the saints, okay, they hear the homily, but they don't, they don't, read, the, they don't read the Bible. Can you imagine if my, you imagine a young man doing that today in university? He'd be canned, right? But what humility of that professor! So I like to tell that story. What humility of that professor! But my father had the courage to raise his hand and say, "Look, there are some Catholics that actually read the Bible and were educated in reading the Bible. But still, even to this day, if you talk of Protestants," the Catholics they're biblically illiterate and that's one of the reasons why we're having these courses is if, if that is the case I hope by these courses I'm giving you and I'm giving you a lot we would move from illiteracy to literacy okay it's one of the purposes we want to go deeper in our we want to go deeper in our relationship with Christ we want to become more biblically literate to be able to defend our faith amen amen all right so I'm going to give, I'm going to give you uh, an interpretation of Matthew 7, 7. Okay, this, is, this is the prayer. This is the prayer of petition. And here's another acronym if you like acronyms. A-C-T-S. Those are four different modes or forms of prayer. A, C, T, S. So when you're praying, these are four different ways that you should pray. If you see, as Teresa of Avila says, prayer is like a conversation between two friends. 
A stands for adoration. <coughs> and that is the highest form of prayer, is to adore God. C stands for contrition. In other words, we tell God we're sorry when we make mistakes. When we commit a sin, we should say, God, I'm sorry. T stands for thanksgiving. And the Eucharist means thanksgiving. And if you ever read through the Psalms, one of the most common antiphons in the Psalms is, Give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. And the S is supplication. Supplication, okay, it's, it's not a word that you use too often, but supplication means petition. So when you go to pray, when you go to pray to talk to the Lord, then those are four different modes, or four different ways that should enter into prayer. The highest form is that of adoration, which is not easy. But in a certain sense, it is, it is easy if you go to Mass. Some of you go to Mass, right? Well, the highest form of, ad- of prayer, of adoration, is the Mass. And if you like, the doxology that the, that the priest does, lifting up the host and the chalice, he says, through him, with him, in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. That's the purpose of the Mass. Praising God by offering Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's called a doxology. C stands for contrition. You tell God we're sorry because even the just man falls seven times a day. T, thanksgiving. You should always render thanks to God. Always be thankful St. Ignatius says the essence of sin is ingratitude. The essence of sin is ingratitude. In the 15th century, mystic poet Meister Eckhart says that if the only prayer we ever said were thanksgiving, that would be enough. And even Shakespeare says in Macbeth, more painful than a serpent's tooth is that of an ungrateful child. I'm giving you a lot. I'm giving you classical literature. I'm giving you philosophers. (laughs) But everyone agrees on that. An attitude of gratitude is essential for drawing close to God. If you're thankful, God God is going to deluge with graces. Try it. I repeat, if you're thankful, God is going to He's going to deluge with graces. If you're parsimonious in giving thanks, you're holding back thanks, then God is going to hold back His graces. So get in the habit of thanking God. And S is supplication. Supplication basically means petition. And that's Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find knock and the door will be open to you. 
All right. Now, with respect to supplication, praying, praying for people, what I'd like to do is, uh, this will probably take a few minutes, I'm going to give you the hierarchical order of who you should pray for. Then if I have time, I'd like to give, the, give you the theology of the prayer petition from, from Thomas Aquinas, if I've got time for that. He's the greatest, Thomas Aquinas. Because a lot of people, they're praying and, they're not, and they don't receive and they, they, they get angry at God. And Thomas Aquinas, if you read his treatise from the Summa Theologica, he gives a pretty good response. Oh, he's, the, he's, the, he's the greatest, Thomas Aquinas. So you hear me often quoting Thomas Aquinas and the fathers of the church because outside the Bible, they're the best. Okay, so if you're taking notes, this would be the, the order of who you should be praying for. Are you listening? Yes. Okay, the first one I'm going to say will probably take you off guard. But Thomas Aquinas, the, the first one you should be praying for is yourself. So I'm, many of you are probably taken aback. Uh, I remember my mom was once talking with a charismatic lady back in, back in the early 70s. And I remember this lady was fighting against my mom theologically and uh, the lady said, Joe, my mom's Joan Broom, I never pray for myself because that's an ego trip. I remember my mom fighting her on this and she came back and she talked to me about it. She said, Man, if I don't pray for myself, I'm going to end up in hell. I don't know about you people. Really? It's not an ego trip. It's a matter of life and death. We have to pray for ourselves. And, and listen, if I pray for any one of you, you could reject the grace. But if I'm praying for myself and I'm open, the grace is going to come to me. So I could pray for anyone you hear, but if you're resistant because of some obstacle... The grace is going to bounce off you. But if I'm open to God and I'm praying for myself, that's going to be an efficacious prayer. If I pray to the Lord, 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 give me the grace to love you more and more, that is an, that is an infallible prayer. It is. I repeat, that's an infallible prayer. God wants to be loved more than I want to love him. But if I ask for that prayer, he's going to grant it to me. So of all the prayers you should ask for, you should pray that prayer every day. Lord, grant me the grace to love you more and more. That was one of the graces I told you to ask for in this mini-retreat. Ask and you'll receive. If you ask for that, okay, infallible. You're going to be loving God more and more. Maybe not on the level of feelings and emotions because it doesn't depend upon... We're not, we're not Pentecostals, are we? We're Catholics, right? It doesn't depend upon feelings. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So that's the first. Okay, the second would be this. Okay, how many how many of you here how many of you here are married? Don't be embarrassed. Okay. So you're married. Have any of you ever heard of Fulton Sheen? Yes. Have you? 
Fulton Sheen speaks about the three rings in the married life. And it is the it's the engagement ring, it is the marriage ring, and the third is suffering. <laughs> At least to a limited degree, right? All right. If you are if you are married, the first one you should be praying for, Mark, is Christy. Barbara is Leonardo. You hear me? And you, you you would be surprised how many couples don't do that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Okay, I've had a lot of pastoral experience as a priest for 37 years. You can imagine, no? And when there's marriage problems, often they'll come to me. Father Broom, the wonder worker. Yeah, famoso padre Escobita. And uh, uh, I remember a case a few years back. This couple came to me and said, Father, uh, we want to talk to you. We've been having some struggles. So I said, fine. So I set aside a part in my, in my, my room there. And they were married for about 40 years. And we prayed together. And as soon as we start, after we finished praying, I tell you the truth, it was like a boxing match. And she started to attack him. And he started to attack her. And she started to attack him. And then he started to attack her. And I, I felt like I was a referee in a boxing match. Ring! Bum, 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 bum. Ring! Bum, 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 bum. And it's a good thing that I ducked. <laughs> I would have ended with a black eye or, or toothless father broom, no? And it was just, it, 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 was, it was mutually attacking each other. Then, after they finished, I did something that threw them for a loop. Because I was reading in between the lines and I saw the goodness in both of them. That they were blinded to. Because of their woundedness. And I said to the lady, look, He's a hard worker, isn't he? Yeah. He's a good provider, isn't he? He definitely is. He loves his kids. He loves them to death. No. He keeps the garage clean when he's working. Yeah, it's spotless. He goes to Mass on Sunday. We always go to Mass on Sunday. So I pointed out about six or seven quali- good qualities of this guy. Then I said to him, is she a good homemaker? The best. Does she love her kids to death as well as the grandkids? Does she clean the house well? Yes. Is she a good cook? Look at my belly. I mean, yes. So I pointed out to both of them about seven virtues that they were not even aware of after being married for 40 years. 
And I just talked, I was with them maybe 25 minutes. I was reading in between the lines and seeing the, the essential goodness that I could see in them, even though they were, it was like a boxing match. But then, going back to the topic, I asked him, do you pray for her? He looked at me as a Spanish, like a bicho he looked, me, he looked at me like I had two heads. Of course not. And asked the husband, do you pray for her? No! So they're married for 40 years and they don't pray for each other. That's the essential reason why they've got problems. Primary reason. And you, maybe you take it for granted. Husband and wife, they get married till death or they part. But how often, how often does a husband pray for the wife and the wife pray for the husband? Much less than you think. Okay, I'll tell you a contrary story. When my parents married, they always prayed before they went to bed. And me and the older brother, they taught us to pray before we went to bed. And there was a certain litany that we we pray, the Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, the Garden Angel. Then my dad would pray with my mom, praying for my mom. Then they'd be praying for Mike and Ed. Then my mom would do the same. Then I would pray, Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be. I'd pray for my mom and my dad, for my brother and for myself. And my brother would pray for my mom and my dad and for him and myself. Living with my brother for 17, 17 years, I had two fights with him in 17 years. And we had bunk beds together. You know him. Hmm? And you know Why? is because mom prayed with dad and mom prayed for dad. Dad prayed for mom and then both of them prayed for us. We prayed for each other. We prayed for mom and dad. You got it? It's like a triangle of graces in which there was just a lot of peace, a lot of harmony, a lot of love, a lot of understanding, a lot of Joy, because, and it wasn't really a lot of long prayers, but short but fervent prayers. So I thought I would share that with you. One case where the couple was almost on the verge of divorce and I had to try to save the marriage. The other, where in the case of my parents, when I celebrated their 60th anniversary, which is their, their diamond jubilee, one of them said, I was having a meal with them, and they said, you know, son, we never had one serious problem in 60 years. Wow. Have, you met, have you ever met anyone that said that? Yeah. Never in your life. Now you've heard it, though. And, and all right, with, with nine kids, 39 grandchildren, brought up and raised in the wild 60s, no, some of us, no. And I'm not, I'm not canonizing our family. I'm just pointing out 
The power of prayer. The power of prayer. So, you know, you, you might try to do that. Uh, you might try to do that. And I think you're going to see a change. Because you, you can't be praying sincerely and to be hating anyone. You can't do that. That's, that's, that's sham. That's hypocrisy. You can't do that. They're saying you're praying sincerely with fervor and devotion, humility, purity of heart. And that's why the, the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the most important theme of the Sermon on the Mount, is prayer. Is prayer. So in the in the hierarchy of value, so you 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 A C T S S stands for supplication. You're praying for yourself. You're praying for your wife or your husband. Okay, then after that, let's go down the list. So hopefully this is going to help your prayer life. When, and every time you read Matthew 7, 7, maybe remember this talk. Ask and receive, seek and find, knock and the door will be open. Whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, whoever knocks, the door will be open. Next is you should, after, your, after you pray for your spouse, pray for your children. You hear the order? And I, 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 I battled with people on this. They'll often say, no, Father, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. No, I, I pray for my children, and then they pray for my husband. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. And maybe some of you are befuddled or confused of what I'm saying. But I'll, I'll, I'll defend myself. If, if your children see that you love each other, right? They pick up the vibes. They don't. If they see you've had a fight and you're not talking for 24 hours, 48 hours, and you're walking down the corridor and you go like this, no. <laughs> Why aren't you greeting mom? I've got, got a problem with my neck, okay? <laughs> and your kids, they're not idiots, are they? They pick up the vibes. They pick up the vibes. So you, you by loving your wife, you're really loving your children and your wife. You hear me? Whereas you by you know, you know, rejecting your wife, putting her down, you're hurting your kids. You hear that? That has to be the proper order. I remember as a kid, I was very pretty intelligent, pretty sensitive. Seeing my dad leaving every morning, going to Wall Street, he worked on Wall Street, my dad, kissing my mom, coming back, kissing my mom, saying, why are they always kissing each other, no? <laughs> but really I liked it because I knew, I knew that they really loved each other. It wasn't a fake. 
It wasn't a fake. It was real. They cared for each other. So that has to be the that has to be the order. And then pray for your kids. And probably many of your kids are not where you'd like them to be, right? Many of your kids they're they're heading down the wrong path. So pray for them. So let's 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 okay. After you pray for your your spouse, your children, then after that you got to pray for your parents and your your parents and. Probably, Patricia, your parents have passed away, I imagine, right? Pray for your parents. And also for your, your parents that have passed away. I'd like you to, I, 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 maybe sometime over the weekend, you could say a Hail Mary for my father, because on Sunday it's the seventh anniversary of his passing away. So actually, I've asked Father Larry. I have the 10 o'clock Mass in Spanish. He's actually going to come and come celebrate for me. So I've got a free Mass that I can offer for my father. And that's the Mass where you get 900 people. No? So I want to, every, every year, especially on October 1st, he died on the feast day of St. Therese. And, and you know, if some of you have your parents who have passed away, do you? Your mom and dad passed. Oh, for the love of God, pray for them. Oh no, no, they're already they're already in heaven. Don't say that. You know what they say today? When someone dies, well, they're in a better place. Yes, they're no longer suffering. They're with the Lord. How do you know? I'm not trying to be mean spirited. How do you know? Are you Pope Francis the second? Are you? How do? How, you don't have no right to canonize them, because you're really unofficially canonizing them. We had a priest before you people came here. His name Father John Lyons. Okay, I don't think any of you knew Father John Lyons. No. Okay, some. Okay, Father John Lyons. He was really against that. I call it false compassion. You know what he said? Are you listening? He said he's going to write out his funeral sermon that he wants the priest to read when they're celebrating his funeral mass. <laughs> you hear that? I think I'm going to do it too. And he's definitely going to say, okay, I want you to pray for me. My mom's 92. And I try to talk with her every week. Now she's in Vero Beach. She has a house in New Hampshire in Vero Beach. Okay? And more than once, you know what she said? Son, I don't know when the Lord's going to call me. I don't know. But you know what she says? As soon as I die, I want you to start to pray the Gregorian Mass for me. You know what that is? Christina? Yes. Right away, she says, as soon as I die, son, I want you to pray the Gregorian Mass. And people that know my mom, that's a ho- this is a holy woman. Some of you have met her over the years. No, I think a really, I think a very holy woman. No, But she's saying, as soon as I die, 30 Masses. I admire this, this woman. 
And as soon as I die, I'd want to have a double Gregorian Mass, no? <laughs> Not just one, but two. And if you're in heaven, okay, he's already in heaven, sorry, that goes in the trash. That's not the way God works. God's gonna, he's going he's gonna to direct the prayers to someone else. But over the past 50 years, this false compassion, he died, well, he's no longer suffering. He's in a better place. He's in the happy hunting ground. He's in the eternal casino, because you like the bat, no? <laughs> And there he is in purgatory. Get me out of here! <laughs> Get out of 500 years to go. What do you mean? I'm in heaven, no? Pray for the dead. Pray for the dead. Can't go wrong. Then after you pray for your children and your father and mother, then pray, pray for your brothers and sisters. Then after that, you pray for your blood relatives, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. Then after that, you pray for your friends. You should pray for your friends. Then after you pray for your friends, pray for your colleagues. God purposely placed you in a workplace with individuals that maybe maybe um, you don't like them and they probably like you even less, no? Okay. But God placed you in, in a place to be with him. And then, you've got to pray for your enemies too. You heard that, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, right? Right? Yes, Jesus said you have to even pray for our enemies. Then I would even say this. If your prayer is going to be Catholic. Catholic comes from Greek. Kataholos. It means universal. Pray for everyone. What, what Mary does every day, and I do also, is pray that so, all those who will be dying within the next 24 hours, that they will be saved. I pray that also. In my perseverance class, I have every morning in Spanish and English. That's one of my intentions. I pray that all those who will be dying, some of you follow me, okay? all those who will be dying, that they'll be given the grace of conversion. And I pray that very fervently. And I, I make that prayer, then I place it on the altar in the Mass. I take that very seriously. I don't, I don't want anyone to go to hell, do you? Even the worst person in the world, I want that person to be saved. Maybe that desire of my heart will help the person that's really farthest away from God. He'll just say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I want... I, I want everyone to go to heaven. I think that should be your desire to... What is love? Aquinas says love is willing the good of the other. What is the sumo bonum? What is the maximum good? The maximum good is the salvation of someone's soul. Right? Nothing more important than that. Okay, so that's the... In, in your prayer of supplication, that would be the hierarchical uh, order. And I say, try to memorize that. So when you're praying, maybe I'm going to be changing your perspective in prayer, but that would be the order. 
I would add one other thing, that you, you should be praying for priests and bishops. We've got four new regional bishops pray because, you know, you people, you are at the mercy of the priests and the bishops. I say that with a lot of love. And Vincent de Paul, I think I mentioned that yesterday, in one homily, the greatest gift a parish can have is to have a saint, saintly pastor. Nothing greater than that, Vincent de Paul. Most of you are pretty well read. Look at the Curie of Ars, somewhere at the Curie of Ars. He brought a dead parish, not only to life, yet people traveling all over the world to sit, to go, to wait four, four days to go to confession to this priest for three minutes. Why? Because he was a saint. The devil said at the end of his life, if there are five more like you, then my kingdom would be destroyed. Can you imagine that? Six saints like the Curie of Ars, his kingdom would be destroyed. What would happen if all of us were like, were like St. Faustina? or John Paul II, or John Bosco, we would change the world. We would change the world. So, let, let's move on uh, just briefly. I'd like to give you the theology of prayer, a petition of Thomas Aquinas now. Okay? Give me a couple more minutes. Thomas Aquinas, he writes on the theology of prayer, on the prayer of supplication. So I'm going to give you four or five quick points to motivate us to go deeper in our prayer life. First thing is Aquinas says this, God always hears our prayers. Did you hear me? Were you listening? God always hears our prayers. Always. God always hears our prayers. Second point is God God gives us many things that we don't even ask for because he's so generous. God is so generous that he gives us certain things we haven't even asked for them. How many of us asked to be a Catholic? I didn't know. I was just a little baby. That's a purely gratuitous gift that God of the abundance of his heart, he's given most of us the gift of baptism when I was just four weeks. And many of you are probably about the same age. Okay, then, another point he makes is this. Many graces God will give to us but on, the, but, but on the condition that we exercise patience. Very important point. Many of us have what's called the microwave theology. Any of you have a micro, microwave at home? Microonda? Okay. We have a microwave theology where we want things to be done like that. Right? Most of us, okay. We make the infallible novena to St. Jude. Come on, Jude, cough it up. <laughs> cough it up. This is the tenth day. What's happening? Why are you dragging your feet? Come on. Muevete. Come on, let's go. 
That's the way we are. We, we, we want it in our time, in our manner, in our measure. You know, you can't put God in a microwave oven. You can't do that. And let me give you a parallel passage to substantiate what I'm saying. And it's Luke, Luke chapter 18. Okay. Luke chapter 18, the Catechism of the Catholic Church takes that passage and places it on the part on prayer. And it is the parable of the insistent widow. Do you remember that? There's a widow that's asking for justice and she's knocking at the door of this, of this judge. And what happens? She keeps knocking on the door. And what does the judge say? The judge says, look, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in man. I don't believe... I don't believe. But I better give in to this woman, otherwise she's going to do me, to, she's going to do me violence. And then Jesus says, follow what this woman is doing. Ask and you receive. Seek and you'll find knocking the door will be open. Okay, let's uh, develop the theme of Aquinas a little bit more. The next point is the following. How many parents here? Have you ever said no to your children? Is that because you're a meanie? You're mean-spirited? You're violating the liberty of these little children? Okay, here's the analogy I'd like to give. We've got some, we got some children here. Maybe this happened. Maybe, maybe this happened with Kim. Okay, you're in your, uh, you're in your uh, garage. And there's a workroom there. And your little son comes in and says, Mommy, I'm really thirsty. So on the top shelf there, there's a, there's, there's a, a jar that has a brown liquid in it. And little Eddie says, Ah, give me that, Mommy. I love Hershey chocolate. I love chocolate milk. Give it to me, I'm thirsty. And Mommy Kim says, Eddie boy, look, you're not going to have that. Why? Because... He thinks it's chocolate milk, but Kim knows it's rat poison. Got it? Eddie boy thinks it is Hershey chocolate. But mother knows best, and that's rat poison. You got it? Sometimes we're asking for God we're asking God for rat poison and we think it's chocolate milk. Got it? Like the story? For that reason, for that reason, good parents, good parents, sometimes they utilize this monosyllabic, monosyllabic word that begins with N and O, and it's a two-letter word. It's called no. <laughs> sometimes you have to say no because he thinks it's chocolate milk. Rat poison. If the little guy drinks it, you're going to visit him in Forest Lawn or All Souls, right, Mark? As a, as a permanent 
as a permanent resident, right? <laughs> okay, developing Aquinas a little bit more. Then other, other graces depends, they're called, they're conditional. On the condition that we do what God is asking us to do. And I'll give you the clearest example. Okay, if okay, you commit a mortal sin, or maybe you're living in mortal sin, is your prayer of supplication going to be efficacious? Okay, the only prayer that's going to be efficacious if in your mortal sin, ACTS, is to see. You first have to repent. It's like if I, if I were to... Okay, I, I smack you. Say, by the way, could you please lend me 500 bucks? <laughs> first, I'm going to say, I'm sorry that I smacked you. I just had a really bad day. I really didn't mean it. Please forgive me. And you say, I forgive you. Okay, now can you lend me 500 bucks? I'm not going to ask you for anything before first reconciling with you. When we commit a mortal sin, we smack God in the face. We do. So we're, we're asking God for something, but we've nailed him to the cross. Let's first take him down from the cross, then after that we can maybe ask him for something. So that's a very... Very key point, many graces we don't receive because we're resisting giving God what God wants. So, this is the theology of prayer petition of St. Thomas Aquinas. So what we've gone over today, these two basic points, is we should all have if you look at the cross, we should all have a hierarchy in our prayer life. We first pray for ourselves. And that's not egotism. It's a matter of life and death. You've got to pray for your spouse. Even when you're in a bad mood, okay? You've got to pray for your children. Even though they're rascals, huh? They're prodigal sons and daughters. Pray for them. You gotta pray for your parents, whether or not they're living or dead, you gotta pray for them. You gotta pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for your uncles and aunts and cousins. Pray for your friends. Pray for your colleagues. Pray for your colleagues. Pray for even your enemies. And have a Catholic prayer in which you're praying for the whole world. Amen? Amen. So, was this helpful, this talk? Absolutely. This is really going to help us, my friends. And what I'm doing, I'm taking a couple verses from the Sermon on and I'm giving you examples and stories, a little bit of humor, what Aquinas says, you know. This is, this is all flowing from a knowledge of the sacred scripture. So, good news is this. Okay, in this course that I'm giving to you, and Herodotus can give this out afterward. I'm trying to give these Bible courses every other week. Just give me one. So the next one we're going to have will be in two weeks, starting on Tuesday, 
And it will be October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Would you like to come? Yes. Do you like this? Yes. These series? It's not long. It's a short talk. You do your meditation, a little bit of sharing, so it's not overly demanding. And you can invite some of your friends to come. So it's going to be October 11th and 12th. And this is the topic. I love the topic. Hopefully you'll love it. Jesus and Mary. And I like to meditate and speak on the luminous mysteries. You like that? Yes. So that will be the topic. Because we're going to be in the very heart of the month of October. The month of October is the month of the rosary. And the luminous mysteries are part of the new mysteries by John Paul II. So let's say, Hail Mary, that we'll keep going deeper in our knowledge of sacred scripture, but put it into practice too. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sins, now the hour of death. The Lord be with you. And Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Before going to our groups, 